yeshiva. Uh, I'm talking now in 91, 91, 92. Um, was that 26, seven years ago? In Crown Heights. What to then the Seder was, the Rebbe would conduct it for bringing on Shabbos. And then afterward, we would take a walk to different shuls around the city to give over points and ideas that the Rebbe had said by the talk that day. So I used to walk to the Lower East Side of Manhattan after the Fabregan and Shabbos from Crown Heights. It's about, I don't know, an hour and a half walk, approximately. So we go to different shuls there. So one time it was Parshas Vallejo, it was this Shabbos, probably 91. I might be off, I might make a mistake. But uh, anyways, I went to the shul and I heard a vart that the guy said, that I love the vart and I still remember. The vart is like this. He said, why is the Akeda called the Akeda? We always talked about the great schus of the Akeda, the great merit of this story that happened. Now, what's, what was the tremendous act of that story? Most, mostly that Avram Avinu was willing to sacrifice his only son for Hashem. But what do we call the story? We call the story the Akeda. What does Akeda mean? So Akeda doesn't mean sacrifice. We would think it does. But really the word Akeda means binding. That's what it means. Because Avram bound Yitzchak. So he bound him. But isn't it odd that from the whole story, the only word that we can think of to call those stories binding. Like binding is not the story, it's just a detail. It happened in the middle of the story. Why? When I, oh, the, Hashem, remember the schus of the binding. Right? It's odd. So he said a very beautiful pshat. I don't remember from which sefer it comes. He said like this. He says, really, there's another question, which is why, was, why did Yitzchak have to be bound? Yitzchak very clearly said, if that's what Hashem wants, I'm in. Oh, so the Medrash says that Yitzchak Avinu told Avram, he says, please bind me. He says, why? He says, because even though I want this wholeheartedly, nevertheless, there's something called the human reflex. And that is when I see a knife coming down, I might move, I might jump, I might this. And I want it to be a shchita, proper shchita, the way Hashem wants it. I don't want to move and, and hurt it. And that's why Yitzchak has to be bound. So the Sefer says, what do we see from here? A very powerful concept. That even Yitzchak Avinu, who was a tzaddik gomer, complete tzaddik, he says, I want to do the right thing, but sometimes the body gets in the way. Mm. And sometimes, although I want the right thing, because I have a physical body, I, I might move the wrong direction. And that's what we're telling Hashem, remember the schus of the Akedah. That even Yitzchak Avinu said that, how much more so for us? We want to do the right thing. We, we make the right achlatus, we make the right resolutions, we want to do the right thing. And sometimes, you know, the body gets in the way. But it's not that that's what we really want. We really want the right thing. And that's the schus of the Akedah, that even Yitzchak Avinu was saying that, sort of testifying for all of us, that even when we might be off the beaten track a little bit, we know that our, we want the right thing, and, and sometimes we uh, falter. That's the verse that I heard the there. Tanya. How's that? It's the, the, the good person. The, the, the Benoni, right? The Avoida. The Excellent. It's the good getting in the way. 100%. 100%. But we know that the real thing is the Neshama. So, one more Lachayim. Lachayim for that. But wouldn't that, wouldn't that, I mean, according to Tanya, not make you talk of Sabi? Before. Hey, I, maybe that's too tough of a question. Yeah. It's, it's good. good. Why? He became a Tzadik. Why? He's such a Tzadik, he knew himself. Like, if he was, if he was, if he was, he would have been pretending. He would have been like, I would have lied on that. Yet, yet was the now. first 10 shares of yeah. Tanya. The Tanya, a Benoni, is like, was, is how we, what we think a Tzadik is. It's I a good. wanting to come, Definitely counts. I have to ask you, what's, <laughs> what's, your, what's your name? Yesi Kramer. Yisrael. Yisrael Kramer. Nice to meet you. Okay. Um, 
It's a good question. Something to think about. Some food for thought. We are holding in chapter. In, we're holding in chapter twelve in Perik Yud Beis. Um, we're on page on the top of the page in Hebrew is page Yud Zayin. That's where we're at. On the top of the page, you're in a different Tanya altogether. Um, you want this one? Well, I just, I just listen. Oh, this one. Well then. Okay, page on the top it's page Yud Zayin. On the bottom will be page fifty. Oh, I don't know if you have bottom page numbers. Oh, you're on the right page. You're on the right page. You're right there. Okay, and we're about eight lines down from the top of the page. The line starts with the word Mitaivas Libo, and we're holding in the middle by the word Ubefrat. Ubefrat El Sad Hakadusha. Um, let's quickly see what's going on over here. So we are in chapter twelve of Tanya. Um, quick, quick, quick review, and that is Tanya is called the Book of the Benani. The Benini literally means the intermediate, the middle, the, the middle person. You know, not a tzaddik, not a rasha. Regular people. Um, what is the Benini from a Tanya perspective? Is a person who struggles, which is the vast majority of people. There are very few people that are meant to be tzaddikim, and there are people that are able to somehow graduate struggle. Um, David Amelach says, "I don't have a yisahar anymore. Done. Done." I fasted, I fasted, I did tshuva to the extent that I have no animal instinct, I have no yitzhahara, and I don't struggle. That's a tzaddik gomer, that's a complete tzaddik. And again, those are very few and very far in between. Hashem creates in every generation certain tzaddikim, that is their job to inspire, to teach, um, the holy people. Then you have, on the other end of the spectrum, you have the Russia, the one who also is not struggling anymore because he gave up. He's just, just bad. But then you have the, the very, very broad middle, and that's most people who um, they live um, constantly with a sense of two feelings within them, um, and it's a struggle. And every day we try to do right, and we try to do good. And the perfect Benini is the one who always wins his struggle. He always does right. But he's still called a Benini. Why is he called a Benini? Because he, he still struggles. That's the difference, right? Now, as you can have two people, one is, they're both perfect. They both always do the right thing. One might be a Tzadik and one a Benini. The tzaddik is the one that internally has uprooted all that. And again, I, I, I reiterate, most people not just won't, but can't even get there. And that's, that's tzaddik. That's one type of a person. The, benini, the perfect benini is one who every day is able to wake up in the morning and do what's got to be done until he goes to sleep at night. And that's the benini. So it's, it's a wonderful perfect person. It's a person who every day wins and every day struggles and is always on top of his game. That's the benini. This chapter that we're in the middle of learning now, chapter 12, actually describes the Benini. Um, the lead up here, we discussed the two souls and the build of the souls and the soul powers and the garments of the soul. Um, we discussed a lot of points, but chapter 12 actually started with the word, the Habenini. It was the first time in the Tanya where he really gets down to it, what does the Benini look like? And he explained, he, and he explained what, we were, what we've just been talking about, that the Benini is the person who does struggle. And he says, there's only one time in a day where a Benini doesn't have to struggle. <laughs> okay, good. When you're sleeping, that's one. But he's referring specifically, but specifically he's talking about davening. In other words, during davening is a time when even that person who really has two healthy sides within him, the godly side and the animal side, the animal side is able to be totally knocked out for an hour or a half hour, however, however long it is. Because at that time, the Benini is in a state of spiritual... Influx. Is that what it's called? I'm not sure. Inspiration. <laughs> um, very, very, very um, excited and inspired. And at that point, the animal soul is just totally... 
Like it's like taking a nap. It's not there. To the extent that, and this this actually happens sometimes. I doubt any of us are the perfect <laughs> are the perfect bainini. But nevertheless, sometimes we're we're so inspired at a certain point in time that we forget that there's a negative side. Because right now it's like everything is light and beautiful and clear and holy and spiritual. And it's like everything is perfect. And what happens is, then we close the sitter and we leave the shul and suddenly it hits us like a ton of bricks. Hey, he's still there. You know, he didn't die. The animal side, right? So that's the story of the Benini. That during davening, it's like holy and wonderful and spiritual and I'm dancing and I'm singing or I'm crying or whatever it is. But when I close the sitter and then I'm, I'm back to work, back to regular, suddenly there's, again, it's the seesaw. It's the struggle. That's the Benini. Now, Although there is that struggle, there's one thing that Benini always has, is the ability to win the struggle. And that's the difference. Um, we talked about the internal struggle is always going to be there. But who's going to win the struggle? That the Benini always has control. Why does he have control? If I'm always struggling, why do I have the ability to always win? So we talked about two concepts. One concept is good. Good, but what gives us the ability to always do that is kafia. Why are, what, what gives us the, um, where is the promise that we're always going to be able to win the struggle? And the answer is a, a, an important Tanya quote called, I'm sorry? This is the fact that you're still fighting. Okay, but, but why am I going to win? If I'm fighting, good, good Tanya quote, not the one I'm looking for. Moach shalit al halev. Important, important, important Tanya quote. What does it mean, moach shalit al halev? The, bra- the brain controls the heart. That is, by the way, and this is an important idea, is that a Jewish concept or a Hasidic concept or a human concept? It's a human concept. A human being has the ability that my mind should control my heart. Really every, a yid, a goy, because otherwise this, this, is an, this is an animal planet. In other words, if you go to, if a guy is hauled into court for stealing and he tells the judge, you know, I... I just couldn't resist. I saw it, something was so beautiful, I just took it. That's not going to go in any court of law. Why? Because I know you wanted, but you had to control yourself. No, I, I really, I couldn't resist it. I wanted to kill the guys. I killed them. It's not going to work. Because human nature is such, the way Hashem created us with one of the greatest gifts He gave us, is that we have a mind that can tell, that with which we can tell ourselves, no. That's Moach Shalat and that's, by the way, true not just for Torah mitzvahs. That's true in anything in life. That we have the ability to intellectually decide to override an emotional desire. Now, that's for anything. Especially, says the Alter Rebbe, when we're talking about to make a decision to, do, to go to the side of Kedusha, of holiness, over Klippa, unholiness. Then there's an additional power in that struggle. Right? Again, I'm sorry for reading repetitious. In addition to the basic idea that every person has the ability of to use our intellect to override our emotions, on top of that, when it comes to Kedusha, there's an additional kayak, an additional ability for a person to make the right decision. Where does that ability come from? Where's the lion? So that's what we're holding. And that's why I want to read it inside and we'll explain a very beautiful idea that's really based on the Zohar. Right? Everyone knows where the Zohar comes from? Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, right? Should I ask my next question that I ask? Who's Reb Shimon Bar Yochai's father? Yochai, good. Okay, so here he says the following. Let's read inside. He says, Ubefrat el tzad hakedusha, especially when we're talking about going to the side of holiness. There, there's that additional ability to overcome. 
Kedachsiv, as the verse says, and this is from Kohelas, written by Good Shlomo HaMelech. He says, "Viraisi." Shlomo says, "I have seen sheyesh yisron lechachma min hasichlus." There is an advantage to wisdom over silliness, ki yisron haor min hachoshech, like the advantage of light over darkness. That's the statement. Now here, the Zohar says, "Let's stop for a minute." Again, Shlomo HaMelech. What's Shlomo HaMelech famous for? Wisest of all men. Chacham mikol adam. So we got to expect something really profound. Wisest of all men is going to talk, right? What does he say? Verisi, I've come to a, you know, I've, I've come to a realization. What did I realize? What did I figure out? That wisdom is better than silliness. Mazel tov. We don't need Shlomo Melech to tell us that wisdom is better than silliness. But that's not enough. In order to help us understand that, he gives a metaphor. Or a, he says, light, just like light is better than dark. Says the Zohar, what's going on? What was he trying to tell us? And what's the metaphor helping? Right, a metaphor is used because there's something that you use an analogy to explain something. You know, there's something missing. What's what's he saying? What is light better than darkness for? Ah, so he says. So, so the Zayar says, let's analyze in what way is light better than darkness, and then we'll understand what he was trying to say when he said that wisdom is greater than silliness, which really means kedusha is greater than than unholiness. And the Zohar actually deals with it in different places and gives different explanations. And even in Tanya, it's brought in a number of different places, different explanations. But this one is the following. Zohar says, what's unique about the battle of light and dark? They can't exist at the same time. Okay, take that a step further. Why can't they exist at the same time? Dark is the absence. Because there is no battle of light and dark. Dark is an absence of light. You bring light into a room, it's not like, okay, the force of light and the force of darkness are head in head and light pushes the dark out of the window. That's not what happens. Dark isn't an entity. So if there's light, it's not dark anymore. If you take out the light, it's dark. In other words, dark can never really fight light. It's just there when there is no light. Bring in light, there's no darkness. Said Shlomo HaMelech, and here's the big novelty that Shlomo HaMelech said. Shlomo HaMelech says, the truth is the same as with holiness and not a lack of holiness. In this world, and in ourselves, many times we think there's the forces of holiness and the forces of non-holiness, forces of goodness and forces of badness, Yetzir Tov, Yetzir Hara, we make a whole battle out of it. Shalom says nonsense. The advantage of holiness over non-holiness is the same type of advantage as light over dark, which is, bring in enough of one, the other just isn't there anymore. There's no fight. It's not an even, it's not a level fight. There's the force of this and the force of that. He says, just like light has a natural ability that if you bring it into the room, darkness is dispelled, bring Kiddushe into yourself and the darkness will disappear. Says the Alter Rebbe, that's the additional advantage I have in the battle of holiness over non-holiness. Again, in addition to the basic concept that the mind always controls the heart, and therefore, a person can make decisions that even if I desire ABC, I know what I want and what I think is right, and I can override those desires. On top of that, when it comes to steering myself toward Kedusha, over Klippa, I have the promise of Shlomo HaMelech, that wisdom is greater than silliness, just like light over dark, that it has the ability to dispel darkness. How does that work with like the greatest people having the greatest struggles? Zaygazim, Slacha. Good question. Whoever is greater than someone else has a greater Yisahara. That's because Hashem creates an even playing field for everyone. 
Um, in order that a, in order that a person should have true, the true schar, the true reward for what he does, and the true rewarding feeling, so a person has to be able to overcome. In order to um, in order for us to really appreciate anything, it's through our effort. So if a person is given a super neshama, so they're also given super concealments for their neshama, things that would conceal, in order for them to reveal their neshama and break through those concealments. So yes, in other words, in life, Hashem created for us the ability to struggle. Now, which is really, in a sense, against what Shlomo Melech is saying. Shlomo Melech was making it sound like there can't be any struggle. Bring in enough light and the darkness disappears. That's the way, that's the natural prop- property of Kedusha and Klippa. Yet Hashem gave the animal soul the ability to put up a good face, so to speak, in order to create some level of struggle so that we should be, we should be able to overcome that and get merit for overcoming it. In other words, again, if I would just have the super neshama and then everything is easy, so then I really get no credit for my avodah. Hashem wants us to have credit in our avodah. So He creates this concealment where we don't see the light in order for us to have to be, be able to reveal that light and then the darkness is dispelled. But we do go through that in order to overcome that, so there should be that, that concept of avodah, of avodah Do you Hashem. understand how that's comparable from foolishness to wisdom? Yeah, because the Yesahara is called Melech Zokin Uksil. It's called the foolish one. Because ultimately, wisdom is always going to choose Kedusha over Klippa. So in general, Kalipa, Shlomo Melech calls Sichlus, which is uh, foolishness. Let, let's finish reading the concept inside. Um, pirush, the line that starts with the word Ha'ir. Pirush, K'may Sha'ir Yeshla Yisrein Ushlita Umemshala Alachishach, just like light has an has a advantage, and it rules over darkness. Shemaat Ur Gashmi, a little bit of physical light, Doicha pushes away. Harbim and Achishach, a great amount of darkness. Darkness is pushed away from light automatically. Again, there isn't a real struggle. Bring, flood the room with light, and there's no corner of darkness anymore. Kach, in the same way, so in the same way, is pushed away automatically. Sichlus Haraba, Shalhaklipa Visitrachara. The tremendous silliness of the klipa, of the unholiness, shebechalal hasmoli, which is in the left side of the heart. Kimaimer razal, as Chazal say, and this is directly to what you just asked, Aryeh, why is, why is klipa called silliness? What does Chazal say? When does a person sin? Ruach shtus. right? Where does Chazal say it? On the saita. It says, the woman who's a saita, right, who's accused of um, adulterous behavior, so the word um, in the Pasuk says, kisista ishto. The word sista is the same letters as the word shtus. So the Gemara says, mm-hmm. A person only sins because of the spirit of silliness. And the question is why? I'm not, I don't sin because I'm silly. I'm sinning because I like sinning. I'm sinning because it tastes good. It feels good. I don't know, why, is it, why is it called silliness? Right, you know, this is the story of the... Uh, the then you make the right decision. In other words, what I really Anything want. About the right decision would be silly. Exactly. But in other words, when I just follow that temporary, fleeting, you know, feeling of good, of goodness, which doesn't make sense for me, ultimately that's silly. You know, if a, if a person goes to the doctor. Silly lies is called silliness because you go to the source versus the right decision. Right? That's what you're saying. A, a, a person goes to the doctor. And the doctor says, listen, buddy, if you uh, eat this, whatever, you're finished. You'll die. You'll die. 
And the person goes home and eats. That's silly. I was saying, it's not silly. I ate it because it tasted good. Yeah, I understand it tasted good, but think about this. What did you just do? You just killed yourself. So I let a momentary fleeting good taste, you know, help me, make me do something that everyone understands that's silly. You know, you have the, the famous joke is the woman comes to the Rav and she's crying, she's in tears. And uh, the Rav says, what's, what's, what, what are you crying? What happened? He says, my son, he went crazy. He says, why? What did he do? What happened? What was crazy? He says, what do you mean? He's, he's nuts. I'm sure you are. What happened? He says, he dances with shiksis and he eats chazer. So the Rav says, you know, he didn't go crazy. <laughs> he just, he's uh, following his Yitzhah. But the mother said he went crazy. You know, because that's what she was saying with the Gemara says. He says, if you're thinking, if you're thinking of what you really want and who you really are and what you have within you and you're a part of Hashem and you're a link of, of thousands of years, and what do you mean? You're just killing yourself. So it is, he says, back here after the brackets, that when a person in the, in the, godly, the godly soul, which as we learned earlier, is headquartered in the mind, Asher the godly soul. What does the godly soul want? The godly soul wants that it should have full expression in my body. Right? Remember, a couple of chapters ago, the Alter Rebbe compared a body to a city, and there's a war going on. There's two kings, two generals. Each one wants to have control of the city, and that's what's going on in our body. We have one body, but who's going to get control of the eyes? Who's going to control of the mouth? Who's going to get control of the, mouth, of the hands? Godly soul, animal soul. That constant struggle. So the godly soul wants that it should be in charge. That it should use the garments, the thought, the speech, and the deed, the entire body. Thought, speech, and deed, the 613 mitzvahs, as everything as explained earlier. So therefore the Bainini is able to, even though the Bainini is struggling, the Bainini is able to see to it to overcome every actual struggle. But, so one might think, so, oh, well then he's a tzaddik, right? He's doing all, overcoming every struggle. Says the al no. Al-Tabar, He's not a tzaddik. Because this advantage that he has to the godly side over the dark and silly side. that's being pushed away. It's only when it comes to the garments of thought, speech, and deed. Like, what am I going to do? That's where, the God, well, that's where I win. What am I going to think? What am I going to speak? But, the essence didn't change. I still have Again, a healthy animal soul and a healthy godly soul. The essence of the godly soul did not overcome or, or, or in any way vanquish the essence of the animal soul. Because the essence of the animal soul that's in the left side of the heart, after davening, it's inside there. And the struggle is still going on. After davening, I'm not, I don't have that, that blazing love feeling for Hashem. It's business as usual. Business as usual means my, God, my animal soul and godly soul are also at business as usual. But, here's the thing. Does the davening in the morning have any effect on the rest of the day? So, I daven in the morning and I really threw myself into it and I daven for a half hour and I was really spiritually excited and, and, and in, um, inflamed with love for Hashem. But then after davening, again, business as usual. So here it says something beautiful. All of that love and inspiration from the morning didn't disappear. Where is it? 
it's inside my heart. It's not as it's not expressive, but in my heart I still have a um, what's the word in Hebrew? I would say a reshima. What's it? Like an impression. He brought to the surface. Dominating in the morning, then I was fully enthused and inspired. Or let's say Shabbos, or let's say Yom Kippur. There are times when I'm fully enthused and inspired that it sort of spreads everywhere, and then there's no place for anything else. Then it gets concealed back, like contracted back into my heart. He says, "Kim ava misuteris." Inside, in my heart, there's still all that love. She ava hativis shebenefesh holikis kimoshakasalakaman. The natural love of the godly soul. So after davening throughout the day, the love is all contracted back into the heart. So now the animal soul can rear its head. So the animal soul, you know, that, that those desires and all those Irish kind comes out. To have all types of taivas, all types of desires. Turning the page to 34. So now I can have all these desires. Permissible desires just to have a good time. Which, heaven forbid, forbidden desires. As if I didn't have it. Imagine, here this morning I was so inspired, now I'm sitting here and I'm having desires to win a fear. Now, says the Alter Rebbe says, however, we're talking here about a from Yid, a Benini, I don't, I'm not actually going to do an Avera, but I can think about it. You understand? Let's, sometimes I'm, I'm disciplined enough and I know I'm not going to do it. But, you know what? If I can't do it, let me at least think about it. Sometimes you do it, we don't even think about it. So we're not allowed to think about eating trays? Well, if you're thinking about it like it's a joke is one thing. But if it's like, if I'm thinking about, if I'm, if I'm sort of developing a desire for it, no. That's part of what we say in davening. Where the Rambam talks about that a lot in halacha, that people think that the only thing in the Avera is the act. But you know what? And I've had, I've had students who've told me, like, you know, I'll read books about all types of Avera activity. You know, I, I can't do it. Let me at least, you know, fantasize about it. But the Rambam writes very clear in halacha that that's usr. It's usr for a person to do an Avera in their mind. A leads to B, B leads to C. Plus, even without leading to it, it contaminates my mind. I'm bringing Klippa right into very, very uh, delicate parts of who I am. And it's, it's Allah and Shulchan Aruch. It's not just that. Even it, it's a big shy. I, I don't know. I, I don't know all the TV shows, but <laughs> I, I'm sure a lot are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I, I'm not. Subtle, I'm, subtle nuances get into your brain, you know? It's definitely not recommended. I mean, even even if you're going to have something that's maybe an Avera, maybe not an Avera, maybe just like not a good thing, but maybe not like a, a black and white Avera. But yeah, it's definitely true. It's definitely not bringing you to better places. Right. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not just that. I'll tell you something else. Even people don't realize. That's a Motsi Shabbos video. That's a mitzvah. That's a mitzvah. <laughs> that's a mitzvah. But, but, but here's, here's the thing. You have um, one of the Shilas that Rabbanim are asked a lot is got, people go to college and got to take different courses. And there's a course called Comparative Religions. And suddenly you're spending hours a day discussing how uh, Hindus serve their deities. That's a big halachic problem. People don't realize that. I'm just in college. I have to to take it for a course. But really, Losa Suru is not... Really, it's letting my mind wander in an area that for me to do it is totally usr. So we're talking about idolatry. So so what do they say? 
so it depends on the situation and which books and how necessary is it you need or not. I mean, I'm not going to pass again. Every case is different, but it's it's Kuzari. but it's definitely a shayla. It's a real shayla. The Kuzari talks about other Yeah, so it says clearly the Rambam talks about the Rabbonim, the Sanhedrin, who had to paskin shaylas about it. They had to learn and know what to paskin. But for a person to learn about Avedizara is for another. For me to get my mind involved in an active way in something that's forbidden to do is a problem. And whether it's Avedizara, whether it's Gilead Arayas, whatever, whatever Avera it is, we tend to think it's all about did I do it or not. Well, and there's an importance to doing it or not. But there's but Machshava has such a powerful impact on us in a way. Well, in the sense of the battle, it's it's definitely stacking the deck in the wrong direction. For sure, yeah. for sure. And that, in a way, what we think about affects us in a deeper way more than what we do, because that's where our mind is. I'm sorry. Yeah. All those Israelis that go to India, convert to Hinduism. I've never heard of anybody ever. Maybe like Buddhism or something. It's almost like a good thing to learn about. Because you learn about how silly it is. No, Hinduism is a bad one. I have to. Let's not talk about Hinduism. That's a bad example. No one goes to Hinduism. Everyone likes Hinduism. You know, they're peaceful people, but like, they don't have a real religion. Okay, I have to admit total amaratsis over here. But anyhow, so back here. So he says, Ella. Shabidvar Isur. I, I, by the way, I have no idea what time it is. Yeah. It's uh, time? Uh, tw- uh, 10 to 9. Oh, so we still have a few minutes. Okay. Ella Shabidvar Isur. I actually, I'm going to have to leave sort of on time tonight because tonight is my Zadie's yard site. Wow. And we have this big family phone conference and see Mishnayis, whatever that I have to get to. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'll say soon. Another one soon. Give me a second. It's a very special Zadie. In fact, I'll say a few words about him before I. Whatever. Ella shebedvar iser ene oila bedaitei lase se iser bepel mamish chas v'shalom. The real benini serving Hashem, even if he struggles, he's not actually planning on doing an avera. Ella, and here he says, "Thank you." Here's a powerful line: "Hirhure havera." What is hirhur? Thoughts hakoshim meavera that, in a sense, are worse than an avera. Again, letting our mind dwell in negative places, has a, a certain impact on us, in a sense, more than actually doing an Avera. Because doing, I did it, now next. What I dwell in my mind, is seeps in. That's how I start thinking. That's how I see things. That's how I feel about things. So, Yechoyelim lifoy lalis lemoichoy. These can actually come up to the mind, ulevalvoloi, and to disturb, mitayrav avayda. From Torah study, and Aveda Sashem, Kemaimer Azal, as the Gemara says, Gimel Averis, Ein Adam Nitzel Mehen Bachal Yoim. The Gemara says there are three sins that every person, at some point in the day, everyone, it hits everyone. Hear her Avera, thought of sin, Iyun Tfila, um, davening properly in depth. Um, you know, that we're davening as much as we try, we try, our mind wanders. Um, why do I think the third one is Bittel Terra? But I don't remember right now. I was just thinking about when you said that, that we said before, earlier... I'm sorry, the third one is Lashnar. Lashnar. That's the Gemara Baba Basra. Didn't they say that is the one time that, you, that you're not Shavu Tavu Yitzhara? We just said that before. Yeah, it says during Davani, the month. It's like actual prayer. Not sitting in a synagogue. Right. <laughs> like when you're actually davening and like reading and like... Yeah, not when you're at davening when you go to Kiddush Clubbing. What? No, he's saying, like when you're singing in okay, show, you're so like when our minds wander, or like when my mind wanders, is when I'm like 
It's when you put your mouth on cruise control. Right. Like, I'll, I'll, meet, you, I'll meet you in 10 pages. Which isn't really prayer. I mean, that's absurd. No, 100%. 100%. So, so anyways, back here he says... You may have never done it. <laughs> that's like that's so Check personal. <laughs> and when, when Ari Yudam is, it's almost close on effort. This is like this is like ping pong. When you make your the the chassid inside of you, you know you'll understand. So, anyways, so here's the thing. So here's the bain. We're describing this bainani had a wonderful davening in the morning. In the afternoon, he's struggling, but he's going to overcome. He says, you know what's going to help me overcome? He says, the impression that davening left. Although right now the davening is not as expressive and I'm not feeling so inspired, but it left an impression. The ping pong is also in your psyche. Like you said, if there's, if there's machshavos that play to, for you to today, when you do davening, it also plays to fight those machshavos you would have. Yes, correct. So the Rishimu, the, the impression left in the mind, the Yiras Hashem and the fear of Hashem, and the hidden love, in the right side of the heart, to strengthen himself and to rule over this bad, that has that desire, so that the bad desire doesn't have the power to rule in the little city, again the body, to actually express or to, to actually fulfill that desire from potential to actual. Excuse me. To clothe itself in the limbs of the body. Even in my mind that I should, I should actually um, think about a bad thing. You know, we have an animal soul, so it sends up messages to our mind. But it's up to us. Are we going to um, actively think on it? Or are we going to press delete? You know, I have a phone. I get messages. It's up to me. Do I open it or do I press delete? So messages come to our mind from our heart. Messages are going to come. But it's up to me to say, am I going down that path or am I not? So, the animal soul doesn't have the power to actually make me think with my mind. That a person should, heaven forbid, accept this thought. Cannot come up from the heart to the mind. Ella rather miyad As soon as the thought comes to my mind, I push it away with two hands. I, obviously, figuratively, those two hands means like a, an intense. I, I don't want to go there. As soon as I remember that this is a negative thought, I push it out of my mind. I don't accept it willfully. I feel even just to think about it, for sure not to actually do it, or to speak about it, 
someone who willfully will continue thinking about it, at that moment that I'm willfully thinking about an Avera, I'm a Rasha. The Benini is one who is able to every day be strong and every day be whole um, and overcome those struggles with the strength of that davening in the morning. So the da- again, just, just to summarize, during the morning davening, I was fine. Then I was fl- I was fl- I was flying. Tzaddik doesn't have even the body battles in the mind, but like the Benoni, I mean, you would seem like a true Benoni, which is the one that wins all the battles. If right. You have a battle, but if it's not even in your mind, then you're kind of like the Tzaddik already. True. So what he's telling us is, and again, he, he's painting it. This is a very holy type of a person. He's, he's painting a perfect Benoni. Again, most people are, are quite imperfect Benonis, but the perfect the, the place that we are supposed to strive to. We're, according to Tanya... So where's the battle if it's not in your mind? The heart. The heart is the desiring one. And the, those desires send messages to the mind. And it's up to us now, are we going to accept them or are we not? Are we going to think about them willfully or are we not? And are we going to do, act on them or are we not? The, the animal soul is rooted in the heart. The animal soul in its essence, in its core, it's, is the power of desire. The godly soul is in the mind. So the animal soul is always shooting up messages. I want, I want, I want, I want. It's like a little child. I want this, I want that, I want that, I want this. I, you know, that's what the animal soul is. The godly soul has the ability of the mind to say, no, I'm not going there. I've decided what I want. I decided what I like. I decided where I want to be. That's a constant. So when I'm davening, so I'm so overtaken by Kedusha that I don't feel those negative desires. It's all good. When I finish davening, so that holiness, that, that inspiration retreats, so to speak, back into the mind and what's, what's called the right part of the heart. And throughout the day, my animal soul is alive and well, and it has all these types of feelings and desires and wants. And there's that constant struggle, that battle of, am I going to accept that want? Am I not going to accept that want? Am I going to think about it? I won't think about it. And so, again, most people, sometimes this way, sometimes that way, and I try to be on top. I think that point, the, the thinking about it, like, am I thinking about it, am I not thinking about it, that's, that's the challenge of the Benoni. Okay. It is. And then, but it's the challenge of every person. Right. In other words, you don't have to be well, the perfect... Right, because a tzaddik is not going to have the desires. A tzaddik shut down the, that negative part of the heart. It's gone. Right. That's what David Amalek said. We said earlier, Libi Bikirbi, I killed it. Killed it with fasting. It's gone. But that's a tzaddik. Everyone else struggles. And But the chiddush is that we have the ability to win every day over and over. Now, we never have to get tired of winning that struggle. And that struggle is the struggle of life. And that's where Hashem gets his most nachas from us. And that's where actually our greatness is in our struggles and overcoming them. Our greatness is not by not, not having struggles, it's in having them. How does the same Perkyov say, Zeo Gibor? Where is true strength when there's a struggle and I overcome it? That's the truest form of strength. L'chaim. Make a special L'chaim for your side. Again, my Zayda's name is Dave Ber, Hakoyim ben Naftali. My um, Zayda was very. Koyim, yeah. You're a I'm a Kayan too, and so is my father. It's a long standing thing in our family. <laughs> I don't want to push it, but my sons are Kayan too. <laughs> but this Zaidi, I actually stayed in his house when I learned to New York in Yeshiva by the Rebbe for six years. And he was a Balchuva, Zaidi. He was American, born, totally not from, fought in the American army, was in Okinawa during the Second World War. Um, yes, that's my Dave Bear. And he was. He became from, I think, after his wedding, through um, Lubavitch uh, Shliach, from the Friedrich Rebbe still, in, uh, in uh, Bronx. Wow. And it was him. My grandmother, she also was becoming them from. 
And they sent all their kids to yeshiva. All their kids are from, and all their enoklach are from. But his and, parents named him Dover? Yeah. They had no shes to Chabad No. No. But his rabbi picked the name Dover. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> yeah. I have to get involved with my son. That's, that's, um, that was him, and he worked in the Brooklyn Navy Yard and for for like 50 years or something after he left the Navy. Um, and he was an honest man. He like never took a day off of work. I think towards when he when he retired, they like... He, it's they, another thing where you can't relate to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thinking about it. I lost that. <laughs> when he retired, I think he, I think they gave him an award for having accumulated, I don't know how many hundreds of sick days and off days that he was allowed to take that he never took. He was every day. He got up in the morning, 5 o'clock, and he went to learn. He went to Davin. He went to work all day. He was a, was a straight, straight to man. Anyways, Neshama Shavon Aliyah. Today, it's, today it is 15 years since his yard said punk 15 years. And it's also the day. It's also the same day as my birthday of my son Menachem Mendel, who's learning in Eretz Yisrael, who was who's turning seventeen tonight. So l'chaim l'chaim. He should have some He should be masliach, and all of us should be masliach. L'chaim l'chaim. So at the end of your grandfather's life, you like came from chakras. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Not just the end of his life. I was. I'm definitely before I before really. When, he, when, when my parents were born, when my father, my, when my father was born, he already sent all his kids to yeshiva. My father was sent to yeshiva from when he was a child. So he became from when he got married. So we're talking about, no, seven years ago. Hmm. Not before the Balshuva movement became a big thing. Yeah, that's like so rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, this is before that. This is, so and he became from in the 19, in the early 1950s. Hmm. Wow. And that wasn't the in thing then. He was my father said yeah, he was the only. Where did come from? What yeah. a coin. What is your? Where does your name come from? Silverberg and Kohanim. Where do they mesh? Well, he's American born. Is uh, your father probably know? He probably knew my dad. My dad's from the Really? Yeah. What's the name? No, you're a lady. He's a coin. Your father worked for no, yeah, him. Yeah, Do you know where he went to school? Um, Did he go to Jewish school? To the yeshiva type? No, he went to high school. No, he also he 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 got. Closer, also like in the late 50s, early 60s. You know Rabbi Eichenstein from Tui? Yeah. His wife is from the Bronx. Also oh, yeah. from those families. Oh. From that from that time. She knew she knew my, my parents and my grandma. No, my he didn't go to Tajir school. He went uh-huh. to the public school. Uh-huh. And he went to the Army, not the Navy. He went what? He went to the Army, not the Navy. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, okay. Um, I stopped about 10 lines before Chapter 12. And I specifically uh, stopped there. 13. What? Before chapter 13. Uh, before the end of chapter 12. And I specifically stopped there because that last piece is such a powerful piece. I didn't want to just read it in two minutes. So it cuts about, obviously, Israel in a very beautiful way. So we will begin from there next week in Mir Beautiful. Okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Shalom, should I take the time Shalom, back? I'll bring it to Shiva? I'll bring it to Shiva. I was in pajamas. Okay, so.